Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon. And transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite. You are listening to Omega Man Radio Network. With Shannon Davis. Excited to be here with Pastor Michael Cummins. He's coming to you from England. My friend, you want to open us in prayer? The mic is yours. Yes, certainly. Dear Lord God, we pray for everyone listening to this program. We pray for Shannon, pray for his family, pray for my family, pray for myself. And we pray, Lord, that the program we're going to do today will really touch those listening. And they will be moved by it and they will put the things they need to do in their lives to avoid the problems I'm going to be talking about today. And we love you, Lord. We praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take it away, my brother. Welcome back. Oh, thank you very much. Well, look, as you know, I've done a lot of programs lately about the Judgment Day and what we are going to expect when the Lord comes back. But something came across me this week that I thought I had to talk about. What is a main thing that will prevent us from going to the kingdom of heaven and living eternally with the Lord? One thing I think is very destructive, one of the most self-destructive things that a Christian can do, something that is like a cancer, something that is like the venom of a rattlesnake, and that is the sin of unforgiveness. If unforgiveness is not checked, unforgiveness turns into a destructive force. It turns into bitterness and it turns into vengefulness. And I'll be talking about that today. And also, I found a secular group online, a secular clinic that deals with unforgiveness. Now, this is funny. The name of the company is called Adult Health. And they don't, of course, mention the gospel. They don't mention scripture. But they're right on board with the things unforgiveness causes in our lives. I will get what they say before the end of the show. But we're guilty, of course, of offending other people. And 
we're offended by what other people do to us. And that's the facts of living in this dreadful world. But as Christians, we're told to be forgiving, to forgive people. I think it's impossible to live uh, a sound Christian life with unforgiveness in our life. Because as I said, unforgiveness will turn to bitterness, turn to hatred and turn to vengefulness. It isn't the offence that destroys relationships. It's the inability to forgive a person who's offended us. Unforgiveness is a destruction to the soul. Unforgiveness is the sin that locks the unforgiving person in his own prison. It keeps him behind bars and chains. It's as bad as being a slave enslaved to drugs and alcohol. It's a form of slavery, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a sin that destroys us and it destroys our ability to get on with other people. In many ways, it's like a cancer that grows and grows and grows and groans and it gets out of hand. And we're kidding ourselves when we go to church. I'll tell you about myself. I joined the church that I lead, Kilburn Christian Fellowship, six years ago. And when I joined that church, there was an elder there and they hadn't had a pastor for seven years. And the elder was in charge of the church. And to be honest with you, he made a mess of anything. If I tell you, one day he baptized a homosexual. The homosexual man never repented of homosexuality, but once baptized, went back into homosexuality. He baptized another man who has since become a cocaine addict, a marijuana addict, has fathered uh, children with women, and he's gone away and left them. And this man's in a right mess. And we saw things in the church that he had no reverence for God. Uh, there was no dress code in the church, and really the place was bad. And I went in there to change it, to change the way this church was run. I became an object of his hate. Uh, he gossiped about me behind my back. He said wicked things. He even said a wicked thing to my wife. He said the Holy Spirit had told him that she had a spirit of whoredom and she was sexually immoral. Now, my wife never had any children outside marriage. She never had any terminations. She was a good woman when I met her. And uh, he claimed that the, homo, uh, that the Holy Spirit had told him this about my wife, Janice. And he kept doing these things. And we kept giving him, uh, we kept giving him, you know, a cadence to get away with these things. And really, he'd been getting away with it for years. And uh, one day I lost my temper with him and I offered him out. I said, well, if you're a big man and you're throwing your weight around, you come outside in the street with me, man to man. And of course, that put pay to him. He never thought I would do that. But before I was ever a pastor, when I was a young man, I was a boxer and I ran a boxing club in a church, in a Methodist church in Croydon. And I learned how to look after myself. And when I was a young man, when I was 11 and 12, I was boxing men of 15 and 16. And I knew how to look after myself. And this man drove me to distraction. I found out that he had done it to a previous pastor. But always allowances was made for him because they thought he had some autism that made him behave like this. But I thought he was just evil. I still do think he's evil. But I found myself being drawn into thinking of how ways I could get evil with him and how I could stop him from being what he was. And of course, that's what the devil wants. The devil wanted me to be angry with him that I took him outside. I never did take him outside. I never did teach him a lesson physically. I kept forgiving him. It didn't stop him. He just kept coming back doing these things. He's still in the church now. We've made allowances for him. And recently, he done a terrible thing to the trustees of the church. So 
I have to sit down and I have to pray for them. And that's what we have to do with people who are offending us, people that are driving us to distraction. We have to forgive them. Uh, I just keep my distance from this man now. I don't have him in my office. Uh, I don't let him come down and discuss things with me because I stripped him of the eldership because of his behaviour. And now we've given him the role as the caretaker in the church. But there are people like that in churches who will go out their way to drive you mad and get you to lose your temper with them. And I've had to learn to be very patient and forgive this man as hard as it is. And to actually forgive someone who has caused you such pain in your life is a very difficult thing. I'm sure many men and women will think back to when they were teenagers, when they fell in love with someone and that person dumped them and went off with someone else and broke their heart. Very difficult a thing. And what the devil does, he will constantly try and remind you of things that have gone wrong in the past. And he'll try and bring them up to make you go back in your past. And that's what unforgiveness and bitterness does. It takes you back to the lowest points in your life. And it makes you think very bad of those people who have hurt you. And the Bible warns about this. The Bible warns about bitterness and unforgiveness. The first scripture I'm going to read today is Hebrews 12, verse 15. And it says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many will be defiled. You see, bitterness defiles us. It takes us off of God and we even sometimes question God because if these people that have done such bad to you, when I was running the church and I and I have to say I kept my church open all through the COVID, it wasn't shut once. We took people, washed their hands in the disinfectant and the special gel We wore masks, but we kept our church open week after week. It never shut. And uh, that's what we did. And during that time, I was also being treated for cancer. This man didn't give me any respite. He caused me many problems. In fact, one of the ladies in the church went to the laundrette one week. And somebody who was a friend of this man who used to be the elder came in and said, "I I understand Pastor Michael hasn't got long to live he won't be around for much longer and the woman said well you're misinformed pastor michael's getting better and he'll be living a long time and this is the sort of stuff this man was doing behind my back despite the fact i had cancer and he's one of these guys that's so annoying every time he does wrong and you say to him why did you do that he will say the holy spirit told me to do it and of course that's infuriating But what I've learned, you have to walk away from them. Now, bitterness comes from the Greek word pikria. It's used in Acts 8, verse 23. So let's have a look at Acts 8, verse 23, and we'll see what it says. We've got to get the hang of this. So we are delivered today. I want everyone listening today who's got any bitterness against anyone to be forgiven. Acts 8 verse 23 says, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. The word pakria means extreme wickedness, which equates to the gall of bitterness or bitter gall. So we have to be careful. We don't get drawn into this in any way at all. You know, we might think, why hasn't God punished this man for the wickedness he's done? We shouldn't think like that. Remember, we'll all be judged on the last day. Let's have a look at Romans 3, verse 14. When you have bitterness, it says here, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. You see, bitterness makes us angry. It's a bitter fruit. 
we will start cursing. Some people will start swearing. I've heard people swear. And I've been really shocked when I've heard these people swear. But it's because they're feeling so bitter and angry towards someone who's hurt them. Let's go right back to the Old Testament now. And let's have a look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 33, and see what it says. It says, the wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. That's what bitterness is like. It is like the poison that comes from venomous snakes and the poison of dragons. You know, there is a a dragon in the world still, the kimono dragon that lives in the far east. Uh, His uh, saliva is toxic. And if saliva, if he bites you and his saliva gets on with you, you'll get terrible blood poisoning. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at Job, the book of Job. Job 20, verse 16. Job 20, verse 16. And let's read what this says now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We pray now. Hallelujah. Job 20, verse 16. As we read this now, we believe in the Lord. Hallelujah. And we believe that we must get rid of this bitterness. He shall suck the poison of asps. The viper's tongue shall slay him. This is the bitterness and the poison and the destruction which is behind that spirit of bitterness. Hallelujah. Jesus spoke about this in Mark 11, verses 25 to 26. Let's have a look at some of these scriptures before we talk truly about bitterness. Mark 11, 25 to 26. This is a powerful scripture. And it says... And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. You see, that is what God thinks about unforgiveness. We've got to forgive our enemies. You remember Jesus on the cross before he died. He cried out, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Jesus is making allowances. But we know what we do. And of course, when we stand before the Lord God, we don't want anything held against us. I heard a testimony from a woman once. And she had been in a church for many years. She'd been a worship leader, a Sunday school leader. And one day she was in the church and was sitting at the back and she had an out-of-body experience. And she found herself in hell. And she said the pain was horrendous. And she said even the water in her eyelids was turning into steam. And she couldn't understand why she was there. And the pain was dreadful. Anyway, she was there and she said to the Lord, why have you put me here, Lord? What is the meaning for this? As you know, I've done various jobs in the church. I've been a Christian all my life. I'm born again. Why have you done this to me? And the Lord spoke to her and said, because you have unforgiveness and bitterness. She promised the Lord that if she could go back, that she would repent. And the next thing you know, she found herself back in her chair in the church. And as soon as she got home, she prayed that the bitterness of unforgiveness be taken from her. And she forgave everyone inside the church and outside the church who had upset her, who had hurt her, who she was holding bitterness against. 
Bitterness will ruin our eternal salvation. It will ruin it. We have to do what we can to get rid of it now. So I'm going to say to you today, I'm going to say a prayer at the end. And I'm going to ask everyone listening to this program today, if they would take a pen and a piece of paper, and they would write down the names of all those they have unforgiveness against. Anyone who's hurt you that you can't forget. You know, there was loads of people in my life who'd hurt me. There was two brothers when I was a small child who bullied me terrible. They used to beat me senseless. And as I grew up, I hated these two. And one day I confronted them both in the streets. They was identical twins. And uh, I challenged them to a fight, both of them, and they ran away. And I lost all this bitterness for them. Then I saw them as pathetic. I held no bitterness against them. I then found out that one of them had died prematurely. He lived a millionaire lifestyle. He had a job where he earned in excess of $100,000 a year. He had moved, emigrated to the USA and was living in Texas. And he was the head of a computer company. And he lived that rich lifestyle, drinking champagne, eating big fat steaks, smoking cigars. And when he was in his 40s, he died of a heart attack. So we've got to leave things to God. Let's have a look at Hebrews 12, verses 7 to 11. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers in his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. You know, we want God to chasten us if we're out of order. And if he chasteneth us, or having bitterness and unforgiveness, is a good thing. We're going to go back to Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. And let's see what Isaiah said about this subject. The more we learn about it, write these scriptures down, please. Write them down so you don't forget them, so you can check up on them later. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. We've got to get close to God. Bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred of others very often leads God to turn his face away from us. And God puts his fingers in his ears so he can't hear us. Unforgiveness is usually a result of ungodly pride and self-righteousness. Unforgiveness is often the sin that is committed to those closest to us and dearest to us. There's a saying, a famous saying, I've said it hundreds of times, familiarity breeds contempt. So why do we hurt the ones that we love? Unforgiveness is often a family sin. Husbands won't forgive their wives. Wives won't forgive their husbands. 
children's hold things against their parents. I have people ring me now who tell me, my father hit me, my father beat me, and it's ruined my life. And I have to be honest with them. And I say, no, your father giving you a good hiding has not ruined your life. But your bitterness and unforgiveness you hold towards your father, that is ruining your life. Nothing else but that. And as we get older, if people have died, we remember them with bitterness and unforgiveness, which hinders our lives. Let's have a look at First Peter 3. Verse 7, 1 Peter 3, verse 7, and see what it says about this. Hallelujah. People will fall out in their families. People will live with people for the rest of their lives and hate them and have nothing to do with them. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. I believe to say that if you have bitterness and unforgiveness towards someone, you are an ungodly man. People might say, I've got no right to say that. But you see, Jesus said, one of the last words Jesus said on the earth was, a new commandment I give unto you, that you should love one another as I have loved you. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. If you're trying to spread the gospel with someone, and someone says, oh, I go to church here, or I've been to church there, but not often, and you particularly know the pastor of that church, and you may have had a fallout with him, if that someone says, I've been to this church with this pastor, and you go and say, oh yeah, I know him, I didn't like him at all, I went to his church and left, what good are you doing? How are you spreading the gospel? You know, anyone who does evil, whether they be a pastor, an elder, or anyone who is supposed to serve Jesus, well, they have to stand before Jesus. I have to stand before Jesus. We all have to stand before Jesus. I'm trying my hardest in latter life to try and remember or ask the Holy Spirit to remember all the things that I've said about anyone. I used to have a vicious temper, a fierce temper, and as a young man, I used to be fighting all the time. I used to love boxing. I used to watch all the boxing on the TV. I never watch boxing now. I never watch anything like that. I'm not interested in it. I like to see things that are about love, that are about peace, that are about reconciliation. Unforgiveness amongst fellow Christians is common. Christians have times where they don't talk to certain people in their church for years. They don't sit on the same side of the church. If that person sits near them, they get up and move. Pastors don't like certain members of the church and they have bitterness and unforgiveness towards them. It's easy to see why there's so much prayerlessness and powerlessness in churches. Because bitterness, wrath, anger and evil speaking has taken over the church with malice. We must learn to be kind to one another, forgiving, tender-hearted, as Christ has forgiven us. Jesus forgave us unconditionally. We must forgive other people unconditionally. Let's have a look what Ephesians 4 verses 31 and 32 says. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind-hearted one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sakes have forgiven you, wonderful scriptures. 
we should take all these on board now. Let's have a look at Colossians 3, verses 13 to 14. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. Put on charity. Be charitable to people. Not be evil to people. Be charitable to people. What is forgiveness? The opposite of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another's sin. Forgiveness is costly. We pay the price of the evil we forgive. That you're going to live with the consequences whether you forgive them or not. These things will always be there in your memory. Satan will make sure he brings them to you. So do you want to live in bondage? Do you want to be bound into chains of unforgiveness? Or do you want to be set free and live in the freedom of forgiveness? As we said, Jesus forgave us. He took all the consequences of our sin upon himself. No one really forgives anyone without bearing the penalty of the other person's sin. Forgiveness is extending mercy to those who have harmed us. It's spiritually strong and spiritually you're a very brave person if you know how to give. We're all going to make an effort to forgive so we can build a forgiving mindset. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Now, I've said that out of memory. So let's have a look what the scripture actually says, just in case I've made a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake at all and mislead anyone. So let's go to Matthew 18, verses 21 to 23, and see what it says in the King James. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants, Hallelujah. That's how powerful forgiveness is. I think forgiveness is so powerful. And I think it's something we must get used to. Hallelujah. Is forgiving others. Now, they might not like like us if we forgive them. They may laugh at us. They might say we're sissied and soft. And we're weaklings by forgiving. But we must forgive. You see, the world would want us to take revenge. But we won't take revenge. We'll forgive others who have hurt us. That way we will be godly. Last scripture in this section, Colossians 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, So also do ye. Amen. We praise the name of Jesus. Now I said earlier I saw a secular group that deal with unforgiveness. And I was quite amazed. This is uh, adult health from the Mayo Clinic. And I was reading their take on unforgiveness. And it starts by saying, when someone you care about hurts you, You can hold on to anger and resentment or embrace 
forgiveness and move forward. So there's the third thing that I learned from this, that unforgiveness holds us bound in a position and we can't move forward. We can only look back. And when we look back, there is pain and adversity. It goes on to say, what is unforgiveness? Unforgiveness, or sorry, what is forgiveness? Forgive me, I'll go to unforgiveness next. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness means different things to different people, but in general, it involves an intentional decision to let go of resentment and anger. The act that hurt or offended you may always be with you, but working on forgiveness can lessen the act's grip on you. It can help you free yourself from being controlled by that hurt. Forgiveness might even lead to feelings of understanding, empathy, and even compassion for the one that hurt you. What are the benefits of forgiving someone? This is the next thing I read. Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health and peace of mind. Forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress and hostility, fewer symptoms of depression, lower blood pressure, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, improved self-esteem. Now, that's quite wonderful. That's from a secular group. Why is it so easy to hold a grudge? Being hurt by someone, particularly someone you love and trust, can cause anger, sadness, confusion. If you dwell and never move forward from hurtful events or situations, Grudges become filled with resentment and hostility. And when this takes root, it might even lead to someone taking revenge on someone who has hurt them. If we allow negative feelings or thoughts to crowd out our positive thoughts, we can find ourselves swallowed up in bitterness or a sense of injustice. What are the effects of holding on to a grudge? If you struggle with finding forgiveness, you might bring anger and bitterness into new relationships and experience. Become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present. Become depressed, irritable or anxious. Feel at odds with your spiritual beliefs and lose valuable connections with other people. How do I move towards a state of forgiveness? They do this, you know. I knew a lady who was an alcoholic and she went to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and they said to give up alcohol, you must forgive anyone who has hurt you, anyone you're holding bitterness, resentment and unforgiveness to before you can ever be delivered from alcohol. And you must recognise God, God must be the most important thing in, our, in your life. That's what this woman told me. You must recognize God. Recognize the value of forgiveness and how, can it, how it can improve your life. Identify what you need to heal in your life and what you need to forgive. Go and see a Christian counselor. Acknowledge your emotions about the harm done to you. You need to speak about it. If someone has done something to you, especially abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, of course you're going to be hurt by it. You need to speak it out with someone. Acknowledge your emotions and any harm done to you that has made you feel bitter and unforgiving. Choose to forgive the person who offended you. Release the control and power that Satan has over you. Release it onto God and let God deal with it. 
what happens if you can't forgive someone? If you can't forgive, you're in a bad way. You need someone to pray for you. You need someone to be with you and you need to talk it through. Someone who's anointed in this area. You just can't leave it. What if the person I forgive doesn't change? Well, on you. If, as I said before, he thinks you're a sissy or a weakling for forgiving him, that's all right. If he wants to keep offending people, one day he will stand before the Lord. But pray for him. Ask God to bring change in his life. Ask for the Damascus Road experience and this man be stopped on the road and let him face God. This is what we have to do. This is how bitterness and unforgiveness is such a powerful thing. Hallelujah. I want to have a look at Mark eleven twenty two to 26 again and go over that scripture. I know we've read it before but I want to go over it again because the wisdom that is in that scripture is remarkable Mark 11 verses 22 to 26 and Jesus answering saith unto them have faith in God for verily I say unto you that whoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. You've got to show mercy to reap mercy. You cannot go up to someone and say, you know the rotten you done me, I forgive you. But you're looking the other way. You've got to look this person straight in the eyes that they know that you have a tender heart towards them. Reap mercy. Tell them how you forgive them and how you do not hold anything against them. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 11. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 11. Let's see what it says. Hallelujah. And we're going to pray before the end. We're going to pray for everyone, me included, or anyone who wishes to join the prayer. And I'll say it slow to give you time to say amen. Second Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 11. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgive it, for your sakes, forgive I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan will jump on. He will jump on unforgiveness. He will see that this is an opportunity for him to attack us to take over our mind, our mind, and consume us. Now, I thought of the past before now, and I thought of the times of brokenheartedness in my life, and I'm 72 years of age, and I've cried like a baby, and I've had to stop it. Because, let's be honest, looking behind is no good. We've got to look forward. We've got to look forward to the return of Christ. We've got to look forward to the judgment and eternal life. Yes, look forward to the judgment because what we're going to do now is deal with all the problems. We're going to deal with them. 
we're not going to be broken any longer. We're going to overcome brokenness. Let's have a look at Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. This is a powerful scripture. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Before you go to bed of a night, say to the Lord, Lord, forgive me for all the wrong I've done. If I've offended you or any of my fellow man, please forgive me. I repent of it today. Otherwise, Satan will come and he'll mix your mind up and he'll make you feel bitter, judgmental, envious, jealous, bitter unforgiveness. It will give you all these things. So do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Do not allow it. Would we like to become successful at forgiving others? We all would. There are practical steps we can take, which we will go over again. Uh, we decide we're going to forgive someone. We decide it. There might be this person we've hated for years, but today we're going to forgive them. Our bitterness is not going to last any longer. We're to forgive them. And there is the most famous prayer of all, the Lord's Prayer, that can help us forgive. It is powerful in helping us to forgive. So we're going to go and look at the Lord's Prayer. Let's have a look at Matthew 6, 12 to 14. Hallelujah. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hallelujah. Forgive us, forgive those who have trespassed against us. Say the Lord's Prayer every day and write down the names of those you wish to forgive and incorporate it with the Lord's Prayer. You've decided you're going to do that. There's no stepping back. You're going to do it. Now, the next thing is dependence. You cannot forgive without the power of the Holy Spirit being in you. Without the Holy Spirit, you will go back to hatred. You will go back to envy. You will go back to bitterness. You cannot do these things on your own. You must humble yourself towards God. And you must repent, Lord, this man hurt me very, very bad, but I've hated him for 20 years. Please forgive me for holding out hatred and bitterness towards this man. Please forgive me. Hallelujah. You must ask God to forgive you. You must depend on him. You must humble yourself to him. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at John 20 verses 22 and 23. We must lean on the Lord. We can't do it alone. Satan will bring that bitterness back. John 20, verses 22 and 23. And when he had said this, he breathed on him and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And those whoever sins you retain, they are retained. So receive the Holy Spirit. Forgive people. Let the breath of the Holy Spirit come upon you. The next thing we must do is obey. If we pray to God... Satan may come at that time and say, no, you haven't got to forgive him. You haven't done anything wrong. He did everything wrong to you. He's abused you. Don't pray for your enemies. Yes, pray for your enemies, even if they abused you. 
Pray for their happiness. Pray for their joy. Pray for their peace. Pray that God will give them a revelation that will bring them out of their own deception so they stop hurting anyone any longer. Ask God to stay with them till they themselves decide that they will not hurt anyone any longer and they too will pray for repentance for the hurt they've done others. Don't listen to the devil. In this to confuse you, tell him to go. Let's have a look at Luke 6, 27 and 28. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Now that's powerful stuff, I'm going to say it again. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. So even though these people might hate you, even though they might despise you and spit on your name, forgive them. Pray to God that they stop doing the things that they've done to you. They, they don't repeat these offenses any longer. Show them mercy. Show them mercy. Show them love. It doesn't mean you have to go up to them, throw your arms around them and kiss them on the cheek. But pray. We should bless people and not curse people. I was cursed by an old lady recently whose nation she was part of took part in the Holocaust in the Second World War and were responsible for the death and persecution of Jews. I was actually preaching about the Holocaust in the church and she cursed me, saying I was a liar and making all these stories up and her country was never involved in the Holocaust. I said to her, these are not my words, I've got them from Wikipedia. I said, I suggest you read it yourself and you'll learn the truth. She cursed me. She never apologised. She will have to carry that for the rest of her life. I hold nothing against her. I say now that I forgive that old lady who cursed me. I never told a lie. I told a truth. But obviously she's an anti-Semite. Obviously there's things in her life which are not right, which she needs to forgive of. But I forgive her now for cursing me. I hold nothing against and I speak well of her. Let's have a look at Romans 12, verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and do not curse. In some ways, we've got to try and get over this. We've got to try and get over the fact that people have done terrible things to us. We've got to try and get over it. We've got to try and move on. We know that people are always going to hurt others. It's how you deal with that hurt. Let's all learn to forgive. Hallelujah. Let's go for this scripture now. We're going to go to Proverbs 17, verse 9. He that covereth the transgression seeketh love. But he that repeateth a matter, separate very friends. When someone's hurt you, don't go around after you've forgiven them, mention it again. It's over. It's done with. Move forward. Move forward. If it's an old thing, forgive them straight away. Forgive the guy who stepped on your foot at the bus stop. Forgive the guy who rushed before you in the bus queue and pushed you out the way. 
forgive the person. You know, there was a famous, he's dead now, a famous film director in England called Michael Winner. Uh, he directed the Death Wish films with Charles Bronson. He went to a private school when he was a young man and one day everyone was playing rugby on the field and he took the rugby uh, lesson off because he said he had a heavy cold. And he went into the changing rooms of his friends and he went through all their pockets and stole their money, stole their sweets, stole everything of value. And of course, all these children were very, very hurt by this, but he never spoke up and admitted he's wrong. He went on to be a famous film director and he worked with people like Oliver E. Charles Bronson, great actors. And then one day he said he was struck with grief. When he was in his 50s, I believe, he was struck with grief and it dawned on him all the wrong he had done. And he got in touch with his old school and he got all the names of his classmates who would have played rugby that day and he wrote to them all admitting the sin that he'd done and he remembers stealing a postal order for £2 off of a boy and stealing various amounts of money. And to put it right, he invited all his old classmates to London to see... Uh, the opening night of a new film he had made and he took them to the Savoy restaurant and he spent a fortune on a meal for them and I believe he gave them a large sum of money each to compensate for the money he had stole. So that was his way of making it right. Let's have a look at two more scriptures and then we'll finish up and we'll pray. Let's have a look at Matthew 10, and I've lost my place now. Please forgive me. Matthew 10, hallelujah, verses 8. Matthew 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. When you're born again, God has given you those abilities and that anointing. And the last scripture in this section now comes from the book of Proverbs. And let's find this now. Proverbs 4, verse 3. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Hallelujah. Remember the tenderness in your life. Remember when you was tender and you was forgiving and you got on with everyone and you never held a grudge against anyone. It can be like that again. Let us pray now. Lord God, please forgive us the sins we have committed today and all the days past of unforgiveness and bitterness. Forgive us, Lord, for all those who have hurt us and we still hold a grudge against them. We ask you now to forgive us for the grudges we have held, the hatred we have held in our hearts, the bitterness and the unforgiveness that has ruled our circumstances. We forgive all those that have hurt us, Lord. We hold nothing against them any longer. And Lord, we pray that you will touch them and you will forgive them all the wrong they've done us, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you will speak to them in a dream, in a vision, that they may give their lives to Jesus, that they may be born again and they may repent all the wrong they've done. We know the devil enjoys, loves and gets great pleasure from the fact that we hold bitterness and unforgiveness towards others. But we rebuke you now, Satan, for we turn from our bitterness and unforgiveness and we wish on all those that have hurt us joy, peace 
understanding, blessings and prosperity for the rest of their lives. May God bless them. May God be with them forever. And Lord, we're so sorry this has taken so long for us to put this matter right. But we thank you for reminding us and we ask the Holy Spirit to give us all the names of those we must forgive so we can write them down and on a daily basis forgive them. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you and glorify you. In Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. Brother Michael, what a powerful teaching today. What shall we title this for the archive? How to forgive. Forgiveness is not optional. We've got to do it, folks. If we do not, Jesus says, if you do not forgive, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you, and God will turn us over to the tormentors. These are demons, Amen. and they know how to torment. And they will begin to torture you, and I, until we forgive, or you're dead, and you, they take you out in a body bag. And there's many cases also of unforgiveness brought in demonic spirits that bring in arthritis and cancer. It can happen, not always the case, but it can happen. So we must forgive, or the enemy is going to have a legal right to attack people. And there's people that have died not having forgiven, and you know what? I don't know that you're going to make it to heaven. I really don't. Because we're in rebellion to the Word of God. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And if we hang on to these sins, including the sin of unforgiveness, till our death, it can be too late. And what excuse are we going to make? You think that we're going to have any more favor than someone who died in another sin? I don't think so. I would not want to risk it. So we must forgive. I had someone in my own family offend me recently, Brother Michael. Right. Really let me down. And you know what? I had to come to grips with it. And I had to realize, you know what? I have to forgive them. I've got no option. And just give it over to the Lord and um, and let it leave it there. But um, if I hang on to it, then I would be open season for the enemy myself. So I cannot afford to hang on to it any more than any of you out there can. This is a powerful right now word. Um, it's an honor to be here every week with Pastor Michael Cummins. Brother Michael, give out your contact information. How do people reach you, and how can they make uh, a support for uh, make a, a donation rather for your ministry there in England? Well, I have a PayPal account, and you can get it if you go to my website, which is Frame R F F R A M E Cummins C U W M I N S one two three at aol dot com. Uh, if you're ever in the London area and you ever want to come and see me, I'm at Kilburn Christian Fellowship, which is number two Aldershot Road, Kilburn, London, Northwest 62SL. And you can always contact me there. Uh, also, my mobile number, which I'm happy to receive calls from, is 07469 235351. I've got WhatsApp, so it doesn't have to cost you any money if you've got WhatsApp. So please contact me. It would be good to hear from you. And we can always pray on Skype. My Skype address is where my email address is. So I'd love to hear from you and help you in any way I can. But like Shannon said tonight, hold grudges no longer. Let's get rid of them now while we still have time because there's worse coming on the world and let's get rid of these things we can simply close our eyes and put our hands together and repent of the Lord of let's get rid of these sins of bitterness and unforgiveness now before it's too late Amen Amen powerful word my friend and uh, we love and appreciate you brother Michael we're going to see you next week uh, Tuesday Four o'clock. Four o'clock. That'll be That's great. it. I look, I look forward to it. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on today, Brother Michael. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, too, and love to all your family. Thank Bye-bye. You, Thank you, sir. Friends, I apologize. That is going to be the only program I can do today. Um, 
I uh, made some bad food choices today. 30 minutes before the show, tore my stomach up, and um, I grabbed a trash can and began to dry heave. I'm feeling a little bit better, but I'm going to take a digestive enzyme, lay down, drink some water, and I'll be recovered by the morning, God willing. I apologize, Brother E.R. Hotard, Augusto Prez, and Terry Jefferson. Had four great shows lined up for you today, but I'm going to have to reschedule them. Again, I uh, am sorry I had to cancel last minute. I rarely do this, but um, man, I tell you, got hit hard today. Oh, Lord. Uh, Just bad combination of food. So, um, there we are. Could be food poison, but I think it was just, I don't know what it was. Tell you the truth. Maybe that hot sauce. Ripped me up. Um, Folks, love you all. Check out um, the Reloaded channel. I just put five new programs up there for you. Man, there's some good ones. Check it out. Love you all. We'll see you again uh, tomorrow. God bless you.